with a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George. Welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Now, I want to wish our In the Host Chair on a Tuesday morning as usual. Steve Smith with me on the production board. And I had not received any information that my first guest would not be here on time, but they are not, so we are going to fill a little bit of time until hopefully they get here. Um, one thing to remind people of, the Climb for Cancer. New format this year. Are you going to participate? No. 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 It is on, because it's usually a one-day event. This year, of course, with COVID-19, distancing restrictions and everything, they're doing it over four days. Uh-huh. This Saturday and Sunday, next Saturday and Sunday. Same location, basically, over at the cut banks. But um, you register your team and you register for a date and time that you're going to be there. And then I believe you get a 20-minute block, if I'm not mistaken. I know um, last week or the week before, I spoke with Christina Dahl, one of the people involved, with one of the volunteers. And I think she said it was 20 minutes. So again, in that 20 minutes, you know, if if you're feeling energetic, you can go up and down the cut banks a couple of times probably in 20 minutes because it's not like you're going all the way to the top. Oh, you're not going to the top? No. Okay. No, and the other nice thing is they do have a rope from the bottom up to the turnaround point. The one thing they don't have this year, if I remember correctly, is they do not have a person at the turnaround point like they used to because, again, social distancing... Um, Christina agreed with me on one point, though. It's kind of nice because they don't have to worry about cleaning the surface after each team. No. No. Um, it is a fundraiser, of course, for Cordoban Lodge specifically. So it's um, the Climb for Cancer, but it is specifically for Cordoban Lodge. I cannot remember what time it is. Um, they will be um, they're taking pictures of each team. So if you want to dress in costumes or something... You can do so. They'll get a picture of your team. They will post it on Instagram, on their Facebook page and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so have some fun. And it is supposed to be a little bit cooler, at least this weekend. I don't know about two weeks from now, but this weekend, at least, it's supposed to be a little bit cooler than it has been. Well, that would help. Yes, because I can only imagine what it would have been like climbing the cut banks in about 27 or 28 degree temperatures. Well, some of those people are going to be running. Especially coming down. I don't know about going up, but coming down. Well, coming down is called tumbling. That, I think, is one of the reasons why they have the rope there. <laughs> and I have also been assured that they will have traffic control, so if you do get a little bit too much speed, and they are back a little bit from the road, of course. Mm-hmm. But if you do have a little bit too much speed coming down the hill... They will have traffic control, so even if you go out onto the road a little bit, don't worry about it. Yeah, All safety concerns, and this again is something where they obviously said, we still want to do this event because A, it's a good fundraiser for Quarterband Lodge, and it's a fun event for people. And so they wanted to make it work, and they figured this out. So the, one, the other thing they won't have is they've usually got a couple of events happening at Northern Lights Estate Winery in conjunction with it like I think there was usually like a, a dinner afterwards and stuff mm-hmm. like that no that's Nothing. not happening this year 
basically when you're finished your segment, when your team has finished your segment, you leave. A few minutes later, the next team's the next uh -huh. team shows up. If you've got a large team, you can book two or three different spots to make sure that everybody can participate and still maintain the social distancing. Because a lot of these teams, of course, are not necessarily um, family-based, um, pod-based, shall we say. They may not be people who are in the same social distancing pod. Mm -hmm. So they want to make sure that they can keep the physical distance there. So again, that's coming up uh, this weekend and next weekend. And the easiest way to uh, register and to get more information is to go for the Climb for Cancer Facebook page. Makes sense. That's how a lot of things get done these days. Um, another thing, this has been going on for some time. And as far as I know, this is still what they are doing over at the Seniors Resource Center. Is they've reopened, but limited times and very specific requirements, if you will. They are open Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday from 10 until 2, and it's by appointment only. You book an appointment by calling 250-564-5888. You show up. I believe you have to, like, buzz or whatever at the front, and they'll come and let you in. And then, of course, you maintain the social distancing. And they, again, are emphasizing, especially because it's the senior center, Please don't come in, even if you've got the appointment, please don't come in if you've got a fever or chills, if you've developed a new cough or you've got a sore throat or having difficulty breathing, or if you've had recent contact with someone who is isolating or from a high infection area. So again, these are people who are in that high risk group. Mm. So again, that's the Senior Resource Center, open from 10 until 2, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And you have to book the appointment by calling 250-564-5888. The other thing with booking the appointment is I believe it gives them the opportunity, if you have a specific thing that you um, are interested in talking about, they can make sure that the person who uh, needs to be there can be there mm -hmm. without having to necessarily be there for the whole time. They can sort of rotate their staff a little bit as needed. So again, that's something to keep in mind. Um, oh, I'm sure they want to get out. They want to get out because I've seen a lot of out walking and oh yeah, you know yeah, it's good to see them get out. Yeah. Oh, and uh, I should just mention I don't have that in one of my little stacks of press releases or anything, but of course, Masters Place Stadium open. Yes, uh, and believe it's open. Good chunk of the day. I want to say it's open. It's open from early in the morning. I, I'm almost I wanting think, to say it's 6 a.m. I think it. I think you're right, and I think it runs till 9, I think. 9 at night, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's basically open the full day. Um, there is only the one entrance open, though, and that's sort of the lower end, if you will, off of Massey Drive. Uh, that's the one entrance, partly because there is still construction going on. So they are asking as well, watch for the construction. It's not on the track or anything. I don't think it's even, it's not even inside the track. No. It's up in the stand, but there is still construction equipment around. So keep your eyes open. And again, when you're on the track, maintain the distance. And especially if you're walking, I hadn't, I had, I don't recall seeing anything about this recently, but a, about a month ago, say, when the weather started to get better, they did note that 
if you are say out walking yourself and you come up and you are coming up to somebody coming towards you who is like jogging or running or something give them do not you know step out into the bike lane or whatever go by them and immediately cut back in give them a little bit more space because their um vapors if you will are going to be a little bit further behind them they're because they are a little further yeah. yeah because they're moving faster so yeah. they leave a little bit more of a trail you should never walk possible. behind a runner no for one thing if you can walk behind a runner especially if you can catch up they're not much of a runner <laughs> but uh no so uh, that's um another thing that's on then is master's place stadium of course um visitor information center reopened beginning of the month mm-hmm. july the first i believe actually and again um covid requirements um four parties or six individuals is all that they can have in at any one time they do not have a lot of their gift shop inventory available it's some of it's on the floor some of it's in display cases and again um they've reduced the number of pamphlets and guides that are available for visitors to browse you can talk to the staff and they can um, provide you with brochures that you might need. Um, where physical distancing isn't possible, they've got plexiglass barriers in place. And, oh Lord, my day just went completely and totally downhill. <laughs> if you turn my mic on. If you turn mic number three on, please. Well, actually, that gives us a good reason why not to, actually. <laughs> Joined by Reg Fair. Good so morning, what happened sir. to your guests? I am not sure what happened to the first guest. Ah. I had not received any indication that they weren't going to be here for 9 o'clock. Maybe they forgot because it was a long weekend. I, they, I actually, they had asked for more specific questions, ideas on what the questions oh. were. And I believe I sent them that yesterday. Oh. With the note that I would see them, or it's Sunday, I think, and yeah. with the note that I would see them on Tuesday morning. So, oh well. And then you want to know what's even worse? What's that? Guess who my next guest is in studio? I forget. Mel. Oh, Mel's coming in. Well, that's yes. that's easy enough. Yes. But uh, no. So, well, actually, since you're here, yeah. One thing we can talk about quickly is um, the power of the media. Okay. The uh, Spruce City Men's Fastball League yeah. changed the times of their games. I don't think that had anything to do with us, though. I'd like to say it did. Well, no, because we didn't have we didn't have any problem running a 7 o'clock game. No. But they've gone back to 6.30. The reason they yeah. went from 6.30 to 7, I was told, was because a lot of the players were working on uh, the pipeline. Okay. And it was hard for them to make a 7 o'clock start. Oh, okay. But I, I, I don't know why they would change it back. No. So I, I, I guess maybe they realized it wasn't that big of a... Yeah. And again... Big of a deal. I'm not going to complain, obviously, because it does make things a little bit easier for us on the Thursday night games because we only have a half hour to fill before the game starts. Uh, somewhat easier, yeah. Yeah. It's but, a little um, bit more of a... A scramble to get prepared and, and ready for it. But, yes. Uh, but yeah, we'll be there and we'll be yeah. able to oh, yeah. handle that. Yeah. Yeah. And while well, our first game was this past week and very nice facility. 
Yeah, not bad. We have to get used to uh, <laughs> the sound. Yes. Because we're right next to the... The big boombox speaker. Yeah, we've got thing. huge speakers there for the music. Yeah. So we have to sort of get used to backing uh, up a little bit when we're chatting, when the speakers are, are yeah. uh, blaring away. Yeah. But for the most part, it, uh, it worked out quite well. Yeah. The other thing is, remember not to cut things too short if you've got to get up there, because those stairs are not meant to be taken at a gallop. Yeah, yeah. It's... <laughs> But again, the, um, we are right on top of the plate, too, aren't we? Yeah, we're very close, and wow. uh, so close that uh, Jerry Van Kassiel, who was upping the first game, mm. uh, paused for a second and looked up behind him to see what all the talking was about. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, that's perhaps another reason to stay back a little bit. But yes. Anyway, that's, um, yeah, so Thursday, 6.30 is yeah, the start. 6 o'clock, uh, it's start and, for post to post. And uh, that reminds me, I have to, I, I sent out uh, promos for our uh, one of our guys to voice. Oh. And then they, <laughs> they changed the time, o'clock. so I'm going to have to Oops. <laughs> resend those and apologize. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so what else are we talking about there? I'll just finish talking about the uh, Visitor Information Center being open mm-hmm. as beginning of July. Another one we've mentioned a couple of times, but I like to always mention Good Sir Nature Park. Yeah. Have you been out there? Uh, not this year. No. But, I, but uh, yeah, I've yeah. been out there a couple of times. What, uh, what a facility. It's quite an amazing there. setup. For, yeah. for a one-man operation. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Gee, I was, uh, <laughs> I, I was going to pop by a week and a half ago, but I was heading up to Bear Lake, a, a friend's birthday and you had friends yeah and wow. it was raining and i thought nah, uh, i won't i no. won't stop because it's it's wet yeah. not a great day to be out walking in the well wilderness. i was just gonna pop by to say hi yeah but uh no with the uh, with the rain coming down i thought yeah. uh, we might not even be no. out in a boat yeah. if it's on the other that hand, wet depending on how busy it was if there weren't that many other people around you could even just enjoy the two museums he's got out there Right. He's got the Botanical Museum yeah. and you and I, of course, both very much into the, the uh, vinyl. Yeah. Wow. His uh, great collection of uh, old records. Yeah, he's got uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of 45s. Yes. <clears throat> Not as many albums. No. But uh, uh, I can't remember what. A, he started back in the 60s buying mm-hmm. 45s, and he has them all... Uh, laid out, uh, not alphabetical though. They're by no. year, okay. well, so you yeah. kind of have to know yeah. what year the song was you're looking for <laughs> if you <laughs> wanted to see a particular uh, tune. Yeah, but, but it's cool. Still, oh yeah, and uh, so speaking of museums, mm-hmm. I don't know if you caught the latest thing with uh, the Railway and Forestry Museum. Yes, and I've actually got. Amy Donjal from the library on. Oh, yeah. So I was figuring we might chat about that because they're partnering. With yeah, the they've Park partnered Museum. with the, and I, th- I think what it was, was the library did the work to set up the tour. Yeah. And then uh, the Forestry Museum, uh, I can't remember the name of the app. Uh, do you have it there? I do, I do, I do. Geotourist. Geotourist. Yes. Yeah. It's an app that you can download. Yeah. And then there's an actual tour that you can also download. You go down to the Railway Mutant Forestry Museum and use the the uh, guided tour to yeah. go through it. 
uh, and they do, and they're actually doing a freebie too. If you show them at the gate that you have the app on your the phone, tourist, yeah, your family will get in uh, for the remainder of the summer. They'll, they're doing yes. that promo, so yeah. uh, kind of a cool way to get down and see something that you. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know about the average listener, but I haven't actually been to the Forestry <laughs> Railway and Forestry Museum for years now. It's uh, yeah, it's been quite a while since I've gone on a tour. I've been out there a fair number of time, right. especially when I was with the paper, to you know, go out and get shots of events or of promos for events. Yeah. But in terms of actually going on a tour or anything, yeah, it's been quite a while. Well, when's the last time you were actually down there? Because if you were I with know. the paper, yeah. that's a few years ago now, too. Yes. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Keep rubbing it. Keep rubbing it. I'm just saying. Okay. If he's going to start being that it way... It seems like where, a decade. It seems where, like a decade for <laughs> me, but... Okay. That does it. Now, now you're we're go, We're going to a break if you're going to be like that. Sure. We're going to take a quick break and be back with more on After 9. You're listening to After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. And we are back. Alan Wishart in the host chair. Steve Smith on the board. Reg Fair in the... Guest share, and that's guest stretching share. the term. <clears throat> but, Be uh, nice to your guest, or he will leave, and, and you can flounder like you were before I showed up. Yeah. So we were right. going to talk Spruce Kings hockey. A little bit, yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, speaking of hockey, I think the great post that I saw on Facebook uh, yesterday, the best post was uh, the NHL mm-hmm. have gotten through a full week yeah. of play with no COVID. 7,013 tests done in that week. Wow. Yeah. And zero. So it just proves that if you have your protocols in place and people are paying attention to them and doing what they're supposed to, you can get through this. Well, it's the only major bubble working right now. No, yep. the NBA is well, working. Well, NBA's, yeah. They've they had, had that one problem where somebody left the yeah. bubble to go and get some chicken wings and decided to get them at a strip club. Yeah. There's, uh, and they, yeah, they're doing okay too. They yeah. had that one glitch, but again, yeah. it's, it's but again, the same story. But again, as soon as they came back, they tested them, boom, self-isolated. Isolated them, yeah, yeah, and it didn't spread. Nope. But yeah, the other, uh, the other sport, uh, baseball. basketball, or baseball yeah. isn't, uh, isn't using a bubble. And, no. and they've already had and another team. St. Louis. St. Louis Cardinals have a 13 a positive of a tests, so yes. It's just a matter of time, though. They're going to shut it. They're going to shut it down. They might possibly, have possibly, yeah. Well, they're moving all the games. Postpone, yeah. postpone, yeah. postpone. Yeah. postpone. They're going to they're going to be looking at triple headers pretty quick. <laughs> Five inning triple headers. Well, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, yeah, and and with the amount of information we have about the virus, there's no reason you can't uh, do things successfully if you're if you yeah. have the protocols in place and you're paying attention to the yeah. the do's and the don'ts then, yeah, it's no. it's not a hard thing to do. It, you just have to pay attention. No, And I think the other good thing with both the hockey and the basketball is because they're working so well, it's going to be easier to keep the players realizing, yeah, we can keep playing as long as we follow yeah. the rules. Well, they're both into playoff action, aren't yes. they? So uh, the NBA, sort of. The NBA is still doing close. their final games of their regular yeah. season. But my point is, uh, yeah. so as it goes along, you'll have less and less teams involved, yes. yeah. which makes it even easier to control the environment. So, One of my favorite posts on Facebook yesterday was, 
and it was labeled by Theo Fleury. Mm-hmm. And it was a picture of the dressing room the Calgary Flames were using for their games. Right. And it had all the Calgary jerseys, of course, up on the wall. And the skylight has a great big Edmonton Oilers, Oilers symbol, symbol on symbol, it. Symbol, yeah. And Fleury just put an easy, I think I would dress in the hallway. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, Spruce Kings, uh, their yeah. tentative start date is December 1st at this yeah. point. Yeah, that's when the schedule is. And they and the... Um, Cougars. Cougars have both apparently spoken to the city and yeah. have gotten the information that as long as there's no reason why they can't do it, the city will open uh, Rolling Stones Concrete yeah. Arena and CN Center CN for Center. the teams. Yes. So that they can go into the season. And if I'm not mistaken, the Cougars are supposed to be hitting the ice. Uh, well, their, their season will start in uh, early October. Yes. Which is only about a week later than normal is yeah. what the plan is. And they'll actually be on the ice for training camp uh, mid-September. Is Probably, it? Yeah. yeah. Probably a shortened training camp. But yeah. Yeah. So uh, we'll find out more as we get closer to that. Yeah. Uh, I kind of uh, thought that it might be a better idea if the city was just to open the one facility and work out a yeah work schedule out but yeah work out some kind of a scheduling arrangement where the Cougars and the Spruce Kings could both utilize CN Center yes and that would actually work out even better for the Spruce Kings because you take a full coliseum which they generally mm-hmm. get you can easily seat that a number of spectators socially distanced yeah in CN Center absolutely right yeah. now. The one thing I could see possibly being a problem, though, strangely enough, would be dressing rooms. Because the Cougars have their specific dressing rooms. No, for sure. Spurs and wouldn't be able to use that one. They would have well, to that's, one that's what they would have yeah. to work out. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that that's one of the things they would have to work out. But if, if you're uh, utilizing it only for those two teams, mm-hmm. then I don't see it being no. that big of a problem. Yeah. Because I believe there's, what, Four dressing rooms in that arena? I think so. Four or six, I, maybe. I think, I yeah, there's, there's, yeah. There's plenty. Yeah. Anyway. So that, that's, wouldn't uh, be a bit, that would not be that big a deal to no. work around. But, uh, we'll see. I mean, yeah. as it goes along, it uh, it might be the, the way they go. But yeah. uh, that'll be between the Spruce Kings and City Hall to yes. hammer that out. Yeah. Otherwise, we're this concrete arena, same as always. Yeah. With some slight differences. <laughs> well, uh, the, the problem there is uh, it would definitely be limited fan oh, capacity. Uh, yeah. If you're doing social distancing in there, yeah. you could only have it. I, I think it would be less than half full is what you would be allowed. Yeah. But I, I guess it de- a lot depends on uh, the number of families. Yeah. So, because obviously families can sit together. Yeah. Um, and I guess for the Spruce Kings, that's not that bad of a deal because uh, a lot of times it is a full family that'll show yes. up uh, for games there. Yeah. And, of course, they got to work out how they're going to do concession stands and stuff like that as well. Yeah. But, well, uh, concession stand, it's, it's, it's a matter of having the socially distancing markers down. Yeah. And uh, you enter this way, you exit that way, and yeah. sort of keep the traffic flowing in, in one direction. Yeah. Okay. But that is something we will find out more about as we move down the line. And it's basically time for another break. Another one. Yeah, so we will take that break and be back with more on After 9. 
keeping you up to date on current news and events in and around Prince George. This is After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Now, I want to wish Art in the host chair as usual on Tuesday morning. And we now actually have a real live guest, if you will. And I... <laughs> Terry McClimate, I'm going to see if I can get this right myself this time, Terry. Recycling and Environmental Planning Society. No, Action oh, Planning Society. So close. Yes. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Recycling Environmental Action Planning Society. I just, I had it written down, I just completely forgot to write down what the A in REAP stood for. Action. I know. <laughs> when I was reading it just now, I was looking at it and I was saying, there's no, I haven't got an A down there. And I, that was when I thought, it's action. Okay. There you go. <laughs> now, I guess first things first, because I think we may have talked about this already, is the REAPS facility open at this point? We've never closed. Okay. <laughs> so uh, we've um, put in precautions for mm-hmm. physical distancing, the whole hand washing, um, masks, that whole the whole thing that's required of us. And uh, a lot of our presentations during the April, May, June uh, went online, so we sent out a lot of information and the presentations to teachers that way. Um, And we have workshops and events um, still happening at REAPS, whether it's online or whether it is here. That's why we asked for registration, so we know how many people we have here. And we have lots of space outside, so we can all keep our physical distance. Assuming the weather is decent. Exactly. That's why we would like to have people just register. And registration is free. It just gives us an idea of how many people are coming, and then that way we can uh, set up the area accordingly. So now what kinds of programs are you offering over, say, the next month in August? Okay. Well, we still have, if you go to our REAPS Facebook page, you'll see that under events there's things happening like recycling activities and more for kids. So there's lots of information to do with your children um, this summer. We have what to sow and grow in August, so there's lots of tips on there um, with your gardening activities. There's composting one-on-one workshops happening, recycling one-on-one, zero waste. Um, Yeah, so we have a variety of things that are happening. I also do home visits, so Mm. I've got a number of um, composting home visits one-on-one, and it's great to be outside taking a look at the individuals composter and helping them to figure out what's going on um, with their compost and how to compost successfully. I've also gone and looked at people's blue bins at the curb because some of the items that they're putting in there are not being accepted. So I go and I look at their blue bins and I talk to them outside about how to recycle, how to sort, and where items can be taken. What? Let's, let's start with the blue bins because you just finished talking about that. What is the most common item you find people putting into their blue bins that they shouldn't be? Glass. Ah. <laughs> and glass cool. is coming to curb um, in December of this year, um, and it's going to be in a separate bin. As you can imagine, that when glass breaks, it's a hazard, right? So yeah. it's a hazard to the people handling it, and it's a hazard to the equipment that is doing the source separation. Um, and so that could be very costly um, for the um, individual that's recycling. Whoa. Whoa. Oh. Well, I think, no, I don't know for sure what was happening there, but I think we got to sort it out again. <laughs> and now, when you do the visits to the people who are doing their recycling at home or their composting at home, are there any, again, common things that you're finding people are doing wrong? If they're not turning it enough. Uh-huh. And it's not moist. So it's a living, breathing system, so it needs food, water, and oxygen. So keeping a balance of browns and greens, carbon and nitrogen, 
kitchen waste and yard and garden waste, basically. Keeping it moist like a wrung out sponge and turning it at least twice a week to get the oxygen in there. So it is a living, breathing system. Can you turn your compost too often? No. Okay. <laughs> so. The more you turn it, the quicker the decomposition and the quicker that you get to benefit the uh, from the finished compost. So that's the easiest way to do it is rather than have something in your day book that says on Tuesday morning at 10.05, I turn the compost on Thursday afternoon at 3.30, I turn the compost. Just say, I've got a few minutes. I'm going to go out and turn the compost. Exactly. Yeah. How are you getting more interest from people over the last couple of months in compost because more people have been at home? Yes, we have seen that. We have seen a rise in composting, which is great, um, because we want to keep all those organics out of the landfill, because mm-hmm. um, it does produce methane gas, which is a greenhouse gas. And also, a lot of people are turning to gardening. Um, in If you have space in your homes, your residence, to compost, and you're not a big gardener, that's okay, because you might have some potted plants, you might have some um, lawn, and both the potted plants and the lawns benefit from compost. Okay, so a lot of the people who, so most of the, the, a lot of the people you're seeing then are brand new composters this year. No, some people are just getting back into it. Some of them are new composters. Mm -hmm. Some of them just haven't been doing well and just didn't have the time to figure it out, sort it out, reach out to find out what they can do to improve. So for a lot of people, because you only have to turn it, as you say, you've got to turn it at least twice a week. If you want to turn it every two hours, that's even better. But twice a week works. Um, If they can get into the habit of doing that, then they're more likely to keep going after we get back to whatever normal normal is after the pandemic. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, And you know what? Coming up is wintertime. I hate to talk about it because it's been so beautiful, but... Um, late October until early April is the best time to compost. Ah. Because there's no watering it, there's no turning it, you're just feeding it your kitchen waste. Wow, okay. So once the bears go go to bed and you just keep throwing your kitchen waste in there, the freezing and thawing action um, helps to break down the um, the organic material in there and it works to minus 13. Now actually, that was something I don't think we've ever actually talked about before in the interviews I've done with you is um, compost areas and bears. Is there a problem? Um, There can be, yes. Bears are habituated. They're always looking for food, and it's our responsibility not to encourage them to come into our residence. We are living on their home and their territory, so we need to compost smart, um, and if they're habituated, there is other alternatives um, to composting and diverting your kitchen waste. Okay. So if you notice a bear around and he's either eyeballing your compost area or he is actually into it, then uh, how do you get rid of a compost area? Uh, how do you get rid of a compost yeah. bear? If, if, well, no, if the bear has been into the compost and you're thinking, okay, he is habituated, you can't get rid of the bear really. So how do you... You have to wait a couple of years before the bear moves on and realizes that your place is not a, a smorgasbord anymore. Huh? So what you do is you can talk to us and drop off your organics to us. We have 13 hungry composters and about 10,000 worms that need food all the time. (laughs) So if there is some listeners out there, we are looking for some kitchen waste. So please give us a call at 250-561-7327 to drop off your organics. We are open seven days a week until the beginning of September. 
Okay. 7327. I'm just sort of looking at it and I'm thinking, that looks like it might spell out R-E-A-P. It does. Wow. <laughs> Who came up? Wow, what a concept. Now, where else can people get information on reaps and composting and stuff? Yeah. What, where else can they get it? Like, they can obviously phone you. Uh, I think you mentioned a Facebook page. Is it just Reaps or is it the full yeah, name? Yeah, it's just Reaps. Okay. Yeah, just Reaps Facebook page. Um, we also have a website, www.reaps.org. Okay. Okay. Sounds great. Terry McClymont from Reaps, the Recycling and Environmental Action Planning Society. Thank you very much for taking the time this morning. Thanks. Have a great day. You too. Take another quick break. And we will be back with more After 9. It's After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. Now, we're with Sheridan, the host chair. And if it's the first Tuesday of the month, that generally means one thing to people who have listened to After 9 for some time. Amy Donjal, the communication coordinator with the Prince George Public Library, joins me. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, Alan. Now, you guys are... Now, first off, are you back at the library? Uh, yeah. Um, many of us have been working here for some time. Um, we did work from home for a while, but most of us are working in the building now. Okay, working around the construction people. Exactly. <laughs> but you guys are getting closer to being back to fully reopened. Yeah, so we're now in phase three of the library's reopening plan. So we have opened both of our branches. Um, for some limited browsing, um, computer sessions right now just up at Nechaco branch. Uh, and then people can still do the hold pickup. Uh, they just need to come into the branch now. Okay, so you guys are not doing the curbside pickup anymore? No, just because of the, uh, the space that we have, no. it's just not possible to continue that service right now. So this, again... I don't want this to come off sounding wrong, but this has been another sign that it's been kind of an unusual year. The Nechaco branch is actually ahead of the downtown branch in terms of getting reopened and stuff. Yeah, um, we were able to open the Nechaco branch about a week before the Bob Harkins branch, um, and that was just because the construction at Bob Harkins mm -hmm. had to reach a certain point before we could reopen this branch. Okay, so now what services are available? You said limited browsing. When you say that, is it limited to the areas of the library you can go to? Is it limited to how many people can be in the library? What yeah, is limited? So, I mean, a couple of different things. So, we have um, capacity limits at both branches. Mm -hmm. um, and so, we are limiting the amount of people that come into the building at one time, uh, just so that we can ensure that physical distancing is possible. Um, we also, at Bob Harkins branch, have only opened the first floor. Oh. So, we were able to move um, some of our paperbacks and our newer materials uh, to the first floor, so adults can still browse some materials here. Uh, and then we do have people that, you know, if there's an item in the catalog that you see that's on the second floor, um, that are able to uh, get that item for you. Okay. Um, magazines and everything, though, I'm assuming, are still just up on the second floor and not available. We actually have the magazines um, on the first uh -huh. floor, so people can take a look at those. We've also moved the DVDs down uh, and the television series, so people can uh, get some entertainment while they're here. So basically, the only thing the library doesn't have on the first floor is a lot of the books. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but all of the children's materials are available for yeah. browsing, and what we've found is, you know, it's a lot more difficult to order children's books 
you know, online. A lot of yeah. kids like to take a look at them or the parents like to flip through them. Um, so all of those materials are available at both branches. Um, and on the Chaco branch, the entire collection is, is open. All right, because they're all on one floor and everything, aren't they? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and just, you know, the construction project is the reason that um, yeah. we still have the second floor closed. So how is the construction going? Like, are there any changes to when it, you're figuring on everything being finished? Like, have they been actually able to speed up things a little bit because they don't have to worry about running over uh, clients? Um, I'm sure that's helped, but I, I do know that uh, COVID obviously had, had slowed yeah. some things down as well. So um, some materials that they were waiting for took a little longer than expected. Um, but from what I can see, it looks like it's coming along. It's looking pretty good. We're very excited. Yeah. So now people can come in. So limited browsing, as we were saying. Now, the card catalogs are available downstairs as well, though, right? Yeah, so um, the computers to look up books, are. there's a couple of stations available uh, at Bob Parkins Branch, and then there's one available at Nechaco Branch. And, of course, staff can um, assist yeah. with looking up books as well. And I was about to say, how can you tell? I think I just gave away a little of my age there when I referred to the card catalog. <laughs> you did. <laughs> it's been a while, I think, since libraries had card catalogs. It has card. been. <laughs> but, okay, so that makes it, again, easy if the book that you're looking for, you know the library has it, but it's you don't see it in the in the books that have been brought downstairs, you can just look it up, give the information to a staff member, they go up to the second floor, bring it back. Exactly. Yeah, and also people can still do the online hold. So if you're browsing the, car, um, the catalog from home, you can place a hold on everything you want, and then you don't have to wait when you get here. Now, I think we I think we talked about this before when we were talking about the hold program. Is there a limit for how many books you can put on hold? There is not a limit. Oh. No. That probably there, makes... there are limits on some of the other materials, mm -hmm. uh, like video games and DVDs, yeah. but not for books. Okay. And now, are the books, are, all, are the library items still on the sort of amnesty program in terms of getting them back on time, or have you changed back to regular? Uh, we still aren't charging overdue fees mm -hmm. at the moment, um, but of course we are we are still charging fees if it seems that you've lost something uh -huh. or damaged it. <laughs> so you bring back the book and it doesn't have a cover, and you guys were pretty sure it had a cover when the person took it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how many people have you gotten coming in since you guys have reopened on the limited basis? Uh, I wish I had a number for you, Alan, but I don't. Um, it's been pretty steady. I know that when we were doing the curbside hold pickup at Bob Harkins Branch, we were seeing between like 150 and 200 people a day coming to pick up their item. Um, but I don't have any numbers on how many people have been coming in so far, but I'll get those for you next yeah, time. No problem. Just interested, again, by the next time we talk in about another month, you guys might have opened up even more stuff. Yeah. So uh, that'll keep. Okay, we've got to go to a break, Amy. Uh, when we come back, I've still got some stuff I want to talk to you about with stuff that's happening at the Prince George Public Library and a project you guys are doing in conjunction with the Railway and Forest Museum. Sounds great. Okay, so we'll be talking about that after nine. Featuring the people who make things happen in Prince George, you're listening to After Nine on 93.1 CFIS FM. So, Amy, one thing I want to check on before we actually leave what's happening at the Bob Harkins branch downtown is um, 
parking. Like, where can people park when they're coming to the library? Is the underground parking available at this point? Yes, the underground parking is available. Um, however, the entrance that people have been used to going into is is now closed. It's just not possible to physically distance through that um, that entrance. Mm. So we are asking people to come into Bob Harkins Branch through the Civic Center Rotunda, which is the same spot where we were offering the curbside holds pickup. Okay. So, again, then, for people who are parking, it may be just as easy, if they don't mind a little bit of a walk, to park over at the uh, Civic and Conference Center and walk from there rather than go up the stairs and everything from downstairs. Yeah, it looks like there's maybe some parking available there. Um, we do encourage people not to park in the Civic Plaza itself because uh, no. um, we don't want anyone to get ticketed or towed. Ah, good point. Now, um, what kinds of... Let's go... Before we get into specifics about the new program you guys have got going with the Railway and Forest Museum, um, what other programs are you guys offering? Are you, have, you, have you gotten to the point where you can offer any of your programs on-site or is it still all online? No, we won't be offering any programs in person, probably until the new year. Um, so we are planning to continue offering virtual programs uh, and also kind of um, self-guided programs that people can do on their own. Okay. And speaking of self-guided programs, thank you very much for the lead-in. <laughs> One of them that you guys are doing is what you're doing with the Central BC Railway Forms Museum. Now, what's this all about? Yeah, so this is um, kind of an exciting partnership between the library and the Railway and Forest Museum. Uh, it was created by one of our staff. Her name's Larissa. Uh, and it's a self-guided tour through the museum um, using the GeoTourist app. Mm -hmm. So what you do is download the app on your phone. And then once you get um, to the museum, uh, it, there's actually locations that are tagged throughout the museum. Um, to feature different activities. So these are meant for children, zero to nine. So there's songs and rhymes. Um, and there's also some, uh, like, kid-friendly facts that the museum staff have provided. Uh, so it just really enhances your visit to the museum. So what was uh, what was the sort of the library's role in this? Again, as I said, you know, it was Larissa who sort of developed this. But... Does the library, are you the ones who are, have been doing the voiceovers, if you will, for the yeah. tour? Yeah, so Larissa has been doing that. So you'll hear her voice doing um, leading kids in different songs and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's just to encourage, you know, early literacy skills um, and to really interact with, like, these different locations within our community. So we actually have done this before um, at Moore's Meadow. Oh, okay. I, I don't think I was aware of that one. Yeah. Okay. Now, it occurred to me, this is something else we hadn't talked about because I think it was fairly obvious it wasn't going to be happening, downtown walking tours. Is this something you might be able to do virtually? You can do this virtually. Oh. So there are a couple of different uh, tours available. One is more of just like a, a slide presentation that you can go through. Mm -hmm. But if you actually go to the city's website, um, they have a great oh. virtual tour uh, as well, that kind of features, you know, the different uh, heritage signs that are downtown. Mm -hmm. um, it kind of takes you through those. So there's two kind of different ways to access that. Because obviously this year, as I was mentioning, obviously with social distancing and everything, there's no way you guys could offer the downtown walking tour. Yeah, and we're really, you know, we're really encouraging outdoor activities like mm -hmm. that. But it's really difficult to hear. 
uh, if yeah. you're all spread out that part <laughs> and cars are driving by and whatnot. Yeah, and also really strings people out even just for walking from point A to point B. Exactly. So they can still take the downtown walking tour either through something off of your guys' website or off of the city's website. Now, the other thing I understand is the Railway Forest Museum has decided to sort of step up a little bit with this self-guided walk that you guys are working with them on in terms of making it very affordable. Yes, we were so happy um, that they uh, decided that they were going to allow people to access the museum for free. So if you want to participate in the uh, the story walk at the uh, Railway Museum, all you have to do is show um, a museum staff member the GeoTourist app on your mobile device when you're going into the museum. Wow. Now, <clears throat> I, I'm asking for a friend here. Is it possible for somebody who's more than nine years old to uh, take advantage of that? I'm sure you could also enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't say it was me, did I? I said <laughs> Is is this the first time you've actually worked with the Rail Range Forest Museum on something like this, though? Um, on something like this, but we have had a long partnership with them. Um, they hosted our last Jean Clark Local History Awards at the museum. Um, they often invite us to the different events and activities that they do there. So we have a great partnership with them, and so it was great just to continue that work together. So now, when people are doing the uh, storytime walk through the museum, are there ways, like, are there sort of hints, if you will, on the walk about books they might be interested in picking up from the library, if there's a particular aspect of the walk that interests them? Actually, Larissa, I have put together a book list, um, which is in the uh, information for that walk, so you can access that through the app. Okay, so you don't. So the parent who's taking their kids through the museum on the walk doesn't have to worry about frantically scribbling down a title and an author's name. They can access it later. Exactly. Makes it easy. Yeah, and we're we're sure that once kids are going through the railway museum, it's going to really pique their interest, you know, in local history and about trains and those kinds of things. Yeah. And then they'll come into the library and they'll find all these other neat books and stuff. Yes. Especially in the children's section, which is still open. Exactly. <laughs> it works out quite nicely, doesn't it, Amy? It does. <laughs> okay. So people who are looking for more information, again, um, the card catalog, obviously, in case they figure that they won't be able to get to the book they want, um, anything else they want to know about the library, where do they find it? Yeah, so um, we are running lots of social media channels right now, mm -hmm. but I would recommend go to our website, which is pgpl.ca, also, we have a lot of information on events and whatnot um, on Facebook. We also have a YouTube channel that's full of uh, book recommendations and different activities that people can do at home. So I would check that out as well. Okay. Now, we're going to be talking again next month, beginning of September, just after Labor Day. Do you, at this point, see much changing in terms of what's going to be available at the library in the next month? Um, I don't think so. I think we're still, uh, you know, getting up to speed and used to this new way of working. And uh, I think it'll be more of the same probably in September. Okay. Amy Donjo with the Prince George Public Library. Thank you very much, as always, for taking the time to bring us up to date. Thanks, Alan. Okay. Well, um, 
got about a minute. So again, if people are interested in going on that uh, self-guided story time walk that Library is working with Central BC Row and Forest Museum on, um, the app is called GeoTourist. You can just go online at geotourist.com and download it. And then you search for Storytime Walk at the Prince George Railway and Forest Museum. Download it. Take it to the museum the next time you go there with your kids. And as Amy was saying, if you show the app on your phone to one of the museum staff, you get it in free. And then you get to wander through the museum to your heart's content, listening to the stuff, singing along with it, just having a good time and learning a lot about it as well. And book recommendations for later on after you finish the uh, tour you can head over to the library and uh, have your kids look for some of the books that they heard about and some of the information there that'll about do it for today's show i will be back tomorrow after nine